Welcome to What's Left of the Watchmen, a Watchmen review podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? Uh, it's it's winter. Um, we've got a little polar polar vo- vo- fuck <laughs> polar vortex again. Uh, you remember it wasn't too long ago that uh, my phone went off with the Amber Alert in the middle of us recording our, our main show because. Oh, the, yeah. It was negative 14 and there was a, a, a fuel oil shortage and they were telling everyone to like turn their heat down to 65 and like I couldn't even get my heat up to 65. It was it was that cold. Um, so right now it's uh, it's 17 degrees right now. Uh, I got four inches of snow. The sidewalks are covered in ice. I had, could barely walk half a block to the beer store. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, climate change. It's great. It's fun. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Super fun. It was like 80 degrees, like, you know, four four weeks ago, but whatever. Uh, Totally normal, totally normal uh, planet we live on. But yeah, so we're here to uh, talk about episode four uh, of Watchmen. Uh, If you don't like my story, write your own. Um, And, you know, I I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, last episode was very much the Laurie centric episode. It was you know, all about introducing her and where she's at now compared to where she was when we last left her in the comics. Uh, that that was, you know, kind of the bulk of the episode was really more of a catch-up episode. I think this episode did a lot more um, groundwork on, on on some of the mysteries of the show and laying new mysteries for the show. So, which on a show with a million fucking mysteries, like you wouldn't even think it's possible, but... Um, I have more questions than I than answers, you know, after leaving this episode. But but that's really enjoyable because uh, I, I really am enjoying the ride that the show is taking us on. So, uh, yeah, we can get into the episode. But what are your what are your kind of overall thoughts on the, on the episode after after having watched it a few times? It's you know, it really is is pure Lindelof in that it's like an ironing process. You know, like as you're ironing down the leg of your pants on the ironing board. You know, you're, you're smoothing out wrinkles, right? But as you go, there's always more, right? So we're, <laughs> as we answer some questions, it's like, okay, well, now we know, uh, you know, that, that the, uh, uh, you know, and Andrea Advite is in some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of uh, terrarium, right? Yeah. That has some kind of permeable membrane 
but not a hard edge. You know, when, when we see him slingshot his, his, you know, his dead clones, it's like they, they, they start disappearing off into the distance and all of a sudden they just vanish suddenly. Like there's some kind of membrane out there, right? We still don't know what planet he's on. Uh, one of the things we noticed, I think after our last week's recording was the, in the episode three, that, um, that tracking shot, that's sort of like an insert shot slash tracking shot of his study. And you see all the various, you know, like the model of the catapult and like the little drawing of the squid, right? And there's a globe that's not Earth and it's not Mars. It's like a completely gray featureless planetoid, right? Almost suggesting like he's not, like he's not even in this dimension, maybe, right? Maybe. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's... Or maybe he's on the dark side of the moon. Maybe, maybe that was the... <laughs> maybe maybe that, that could um, be true as well. You know, when they, notice when they... Um, when they cut away from the shot of the of the sky where the clo- or the clone disappears, it cross dissolves to a shot of the moon. Right. Yeah. Well, so that that, that was that was kind of why I thought about that because I yeah. that the moon never would have occurred to me. But that, you know, typically dissolves have you know serve a purpose. Obviously, in like Game of Thrones, we that they had that dissolve. With, well, I won't spoil it for people who haven't watched that show, but there's a very Everyone's significant dissolve that show. from a baby baby to an adult character in the in the uh, second to last season where it's like, you yeah. know, so dissolves typically serve an important purpose, but let, let, let's not get too far ahead in the episode. Yeah, yet. I mean, there's, that's, there's, that's, there's nothing in the show that's not a clue to something. Every single yeah. thing something. Everything right? is deliberate and intentional, yeah. For yeah, sure. like like uh, the, the, the true industry's logo looks like an elephant right mm-hmm. and you notice on her hourglass and her her teapot pot tea kettle thing like they all have elephants on them you know oh, like, yeah. and, and this is her motif know, her name is based on this third century uh vietnamese warrior who rode an elephant right so it's all you know everything's is means something yeah uh yeah. I, I i saw a couple of reviews that said this was you know out of the four episodes this was the weakest episode by far and i was kind of like yeah it doesn't have a big power moment you know but i think that like you can't always do that otherwise it loses its effectiveness right like instead of like this these these two strong women you know coming head to head and having a real uh tense dramatic scene we have instead like a very awkward conversation in the car right well it's an awkward conversation because it's an awkward moment it's supposed to feel awkward (laughs) right uh but it's it's like these two people kind of you know who don't trust each other trying to get to know each other and that's that's going to be an awkward process right so you yeah. you got to have scenes that have different emotional reads to really have real development of these characters yeah and i and i, I don't understand how anyone could say this was the worst episode uh in an episode where we have you know award-winning classically trained actor jeremy irons fishing uh babies <laughs> out of a lake in a lobster cage and throwing them back and then a fucking lube man sliding down the sewers like <laughs> Yeah. Fucking Pennywise. I don't know how well, anyone could say this wasn't a good episode, but we'll, we'll get into all that. But yeah, I just, just watching Jerry I love Irons, this shit. And it's like the, the, the absurdity is that you could tell he's done this hundreds of times and he's sick of it. You know, like there's <laughs> nothing. He's not like weirded out by these. He's just like, God, this one's deformed. This let's, one's let's, this let's one save it till we get to that. Cause <laughs> that, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, this, this fucking episode was just, it was my kind of bat shit. Like it, it's, this is like Lindelof at his best. Just, just, you know, uh, insane absurd situations treated as mundane and totally normal is like where i think he excels more than anybody oh absolutely you know, very super leftovers vibes and, with some and, of this and as we mentioned uh as we mentioned last week you know that's that's what the best comedy is is mm-hmm. uh, just pointing out the absurdity of the everyday mm-hmm. right and this is just a world where there's just 
more absurd things slightly more than we have in our uh in our world right just but a little bit just moderately yeah but people react to it like it's normal because that's a thing that happens they're like yeah it's weird that squids fall out of the sky but i mean <laughs> look look at everything else yeah yeah but but yeah it's weird that squids fall out of the sky but we have a, spe- a special squeegee that we carry just to wipe them off when they, when they do so <laughs> um yeah so uh all right so let's let's get into the episode because there's a lot of um stuff to uh get to so the first scene we see is uh we we're we're introduced to lady true um and you know she is visiting with this uh, uh couple um uh, this farm couple you know we open on this this kind of like the clark's uh clark acres yeah the clark's clark which by the way they're, they're you know the superman references in this episode abound i mean on this whole series mm-hmm. but you know clark acres there's the meteorite that falls into the into the farmland you know from the sky i mean you know it's very uh, th- there's certainly illusions being made um but so we see lady true show up uh to this house and you know pretty pretty uh standard opening conversation but then it quickly becomes uh this batshit crazy conversation where she says hey you know i know you we were told your um embryos were were weren't viable when you tried to have a kid all those years ago but uh they are uh, shown via the allegory of her like stumbling and crushing all the eggs right like that was obviously (laughs) like a a, Uh, eggs um, eggs are a big thing in this episode (laughs) in the series in general but yeah um but but and so yeah but not only is it viable but uh here here's a fucking baby i made using your your eggs and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna kill it in three minutes if you don't uh sign the the deed to your land and house over to me i love that joke (laughs) like well you'll have a minute before or else i'm gonna destroy the baby and she's like i'm I'm actually curious how much of a joke it is (laughs) oh i know i know like she's like a so she seems like a sociopath like that she's a very interesting character to me because you know uh first of all i mean she's you know either the world's first or one of the world's first trillionaires um which is you know no small feat i mean jeff bezos for all the fucking immense wealth that he has only has 150 billion so for somebody to make a trillion dollars you need to like invent the cure for cancer and then like you know hoard the profits from you know like so you know her character i would say right off the bat because she has that much money is probably a sociopath to begin with but i'm very interested to see where her motivations lie because it seems to be i know where they they're lie. setting her up <laughs> uh yeah i mean we'll, we'll get to that i mean it's, yeah that, that's that's sort of the fun part is the mystery obviously uh but there's some there's a very deli- like very uh nail on the head clues about what is, her motivation is Right. Like, I mean, what her what her plan is, I don't know, but I know what her motivation is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it she seems to be and, and we'll see later in the episode. But I mean, she seems to be, uh, I don't know, if an acolyte or an admirer of Adrian Veidt, uh in terms of, you know, his vision for society and, and you know, for. All we know about him, to be. or at least pretends to be. Um, and what we know about him is that, um, you know, he uh, is was a megalomaniac, but he thought he was creating a more utopian society. And he really wanted to create basically an evolved race of humans. And then he's a, you know, a geneticist who 
sure, would work with sure. like cloning and all these things. So I and superior and we, race you know, of humans that still would you know buy his his action figures, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, so I, I think I, the biggest, yeah, I don't know. The, the biggest reveal in the opening scene is that she knew the exact moment that an object was going to fall from space and exactly where it was going to fall. Right. So that was sort of the biggest clue to me that like, okay, she clearly has, uh, an awareness or, uh, an, a, a, or is, is making things happen on a, you know, in, in other parts of the solar system. Right. So, uh, we originally all thought that it was, um, you know, Dr. Manhattan, that it's him out imprisoned, Adrian Veidt. Now it's kind of like, oh, this is more than likely it's not him. It may actually be Lady True. Okay. Well, so, I mean, yeah, you know, Lady True is somebody whose motivations will certainly, you know, (laughs) be made clear to us. But, like, the fact that she knew that 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 meteorite was coming down, I, I don't know if it was a matter of, like, she was told or, you know, has some ability to look into the future or has some, you know, knowledge of future events, or if it was simply, she has access to amazing satellite technology. And she knew that that particular meteorite would be entering atmosphere and crashing at that exact moment. It seems like too close of a, it, it seems like there's no satellite in the world that could pinpoint to that exact time and, uh, accuracy, well, you know, uh, I mean, she might, but- have you know a, a clone incubator the same way that uh adrian veidt does and you know can whip up a baby at a moment's notice we don't we don't really know we would presume that you know if he can cobble together whatever uh you know uh, edwardian uh era technology to make a a, a baby transmogrifier <laughs> then she probably has something comparable if not much better so yeah, no, I mean, the, you know, well, the baby's, yeah, the baby's certainly another story, which, but if it truly is a baby made from their DNA and she went through the process of getting that from the lab and, you know, creating a clone of it, it, it would maybe lean more towards she had pre-knowledge of, of this event. And mm-hmm. like a lot of people are actually speculating that what this millennium clock is all about is that it does contain some element of either time travel or interdimensional travel, some, some interesting, uh, wrinkled into the Watchmen universe that we don't previously, you know, have knowledge of. Although, I mean, Dr. Manhattan, John has the ability to see into the future and see into the past. So it's sometimes, you know, he can, when they, uh, the, the one thing in the comic that, that prevented him from being able to see the future, he said was uh, nuclear fallout could cause static there. And you remember when they go to the millennium clock and she's saying, you know, we're thousands of a thousand miles from the ocean, the thing's earthquake proof. And, you know, uh, barring a direct nuclear impact, it's indestructible. Like they wouldn't yeah. say that unless they're teasing the idea that something like that might happen. Right. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know, but, um, but yeah, let's move on with the episode. Cause we have a lot more lady true to talk about later in the episode, which is a very interesting uh, introduction to this character for sure. Um, yeah. So the next scene we get is um, Angela at the cultural center uh, where, you know, she, um breaks back in and uh goes to the the kind of little kiosk and and gets this this acorn you know with with uh her family tree implanted in it i guess i don't really understand the mechanics of it i assume it's it's like a 
fake you know it's like a digital you know, it's it's a curated experience it's like they want to have you do something while you're there besides just like read a thing on a on a wall so they give this little there's nothing really in it i got the sense it's just like oh you take this and put it here and that's like your ticket and it pulls up this little hologram tree and everything so yeah. it's kind of cool i mean like if you know anything no, no, about like, cool. curation it's, you want to you want to create an experience for people rather than just like oh i looked at a, a you know read up a, a plaque on a wall no absolutely cool shit um so she goes in there she sees um her family tree and there's you know she she finds uh will on it although it's they're like weird about like well we don't know if he died or not like there's a lot of like you know will will's a a slightly mysterious figure to them um you know to the people at the census bureau or whoever whoever runs the, the this uh this ancestry info um, but you know, that's the, just further confirmation to her that he is in fact, her grandfather. Um, so, uh, but I, you know, and I really like that scene. I, I really like the way they shot that scene where she's, um, talking to the face of her, of her, uh, I believe it was her great grandfather. She was actually like where they kind of superimpose like the, 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 picture of him or, or you know or the picture it was a picture of young will over her face like as yeah. she was talking to him you know I, I really liked the way that was shot and the kind of uh stuff she was saying in that scene I, I felt like it was really um it was good it was a good poignant writing for a show that can tend to kind of go off the rails in in like the craziness department sometimes it's nice to like yeah, see well, like there, a more centered like a, family drama aspect of it. One of the uh, reoccurring pieces of music by uh, Trent Reznor is this really sad piano bit, and that's that's what yeah. they play in that scene. But they've they've done it yeah. a couple other times where they want you to like really, you know, feel emotional about something there. Yeah, no, for sure. I, so I enjoyed that scene. Um, there was uh, you know, following that, she she walks outside and. Uh, there is the scene with her and um or her and Lori because she she's out there and then she she and it intersects right with the end of the last episode where we see Lori right outside the phone booth and then the, you know the car drops from space and she's laughing um and you know Angela comes up right behind her so uh we we kind of get the tail end of that scene um and you know uh, we still don't get any kind of clarity on where the car actually came from or why it was dropped yeah, in or anything. Oh yeah, we did. When she says, well, no, it's I her, know, we know when, it's, when she knows it's her car, she she's disappointed. I'm saying we don't have realizes any, it didn't actually come from, from Dr. Manhattan. Yes, I know, but we don't have any clarity on why it was dropped at that moment or why it was held for two days and then dropped or why, you know, that, that's all still a bit of a mystery to us, but, it was it was you know just an interesting scene to see that and they you know have a conversation later which we'll get to but um the next uh scene we see was Angela at home uh she comes home and uh, later at night and her husband is in bed uh with uh their daughter or their daughters i believe um so she goes to sleep in uh her son's room uh who has uh bunk beds uh, even though he sleeps by himself, but I guess maybe that's a thing in suburbia. I don't know. Uh, but, um, yeah. And so that, you know, that was an interesting scene. Uh, I don't know how much, uh, was there in that scene outside of just, you know, character moment for Angela. Um, her son has insanely cool fucking 
decorations in his room like that the the stars on his ceiling i don't know what the hell they were like they're fiber optic or what but i was like man if i was a kid i would that'd be like the coolest shit ever to put in my, uh, put yeah. in my room and did you notice the uh the, what the stuffed animal was that oh that he handed her i did you know i couldn't actually see it was it was pretty dark when i was watching it but what, what was the actual it, it was uh, a stuffed version of the uh uh uh, genetically altered links <clears throat> that Andrean Vite had down right down to little uh, super long tufts on its ears. Really? Huh. Yep. Yep. There's there's some weird shit going on with with uh, Topher. I think his name is her her son. You know, I mean, we see in the first uh, episode uh, he's he's playing with like the Manhattan blocks where he's playing with like that floating. Uh, version of like Veidt's castle so I you know and, and, and people have been like there's some speculation on Reddit that like Cal who's you know his father that uh, uh, Angela's husband is actually like some element of not actually Dr. Manhattan necessarily but like channeling him or some some weird you know I hate that <laughs> like theory I think it's a stupid idea I think it's just it for a show that's this racially woke to do that with the character I don't, just would rob that character of agency and I, I guarantee that group of writers would not do that. Guarantee. I don't. Yeah, but you know what? I don't believe that theory. But I think that they might be trying to throw red herring clues in because there was even more shit this week where it was like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Like where they constantly have like Lori being like, oh hey, uh, you know, like she, it makes it seem she's been making it seem like to Angela that she knows him better than just like oh hey stranger like you know she was like oh yeah you know uh cal oh well i assume you're cal at least like at the funeral there, there was just so many weird little things like that and the fact that his name's cal and superman's real name is cal l and it, i i think it's probably just red herrings to kind of make reddit go crazy because i'm sure it could mean something it's what just this show that. is built yeah, I, I, I don't know why people have this like, oh, who who is Dr. Manhattan secretly pretending to be? Because like that's never something he did in the comic. Right. Like and that's they're not going to do something totally different with it. No, it's never. So, and again, I'm not defending this theory because I don't believe it, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he could disguise himself because he has. I mean, the guy's got the power to, you know, shape worlds. I don't think it would be too much of a, a crazy thing for him to like you know disguise as a p he certainly can modify his his uh we know all the level of his glow shit but like it's not consistent it's not consistent with anything else they've done with this and i think it would be just a really uh, stupid idea for a show that's getting so many things right i agree but that doesn't mean it won't happen and i don't think it'll happen but that you know i want to at least mention the possibility in case it does happen so we could say oh well you know (laughs) the signs were there as stupid as it was um but there's certainly I I think Lindelof has enough experience with mystery box shows that he knows that you need to throw breadcrumbs in the wrong direction if you don't want people to sniff out maybe some of the bigger mysteries that you're setting up, you know, like sure. He he might be setting up little false flags, you know, no, no pun intended. Um of shit that's never going to pan out just to make Reddit go crazy so that they're not focusing on the one insane aspect of the show that nobody's picked up on, you know, like I'm sure there'll yeah, be one thing that, that nobody's, you the know, thing with people the, the talk a lot of stuff, but just yeah. basically to me that just said, well, the, 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 the legacy of, of Manhattan invite lives on in like everyday objects that no one even really thinks about. Right. That we notice. 
right? Like they, they sure. may not even know that that little doll is modeled after Veidt's, you know, mutated links. They may have no idea that, right? Uh, that, that, that that's why. Uh, and clearly they know that like the Dr. Manhattan little floating castle thing was, you know, probably not, has <laughs> nothing to do with him either, other than that it's like anti-gravity and that might be something he'd worked on. But, you know, these, these are things that like, we don't even know half the story behind things that are in our everyday lives, right? That have all these connections too. So, um, well, the Manhattan, yeah. the castle thing is particularly weird though, because it was an act, it was definitely the same castle that Veidt's, you know, living in. So, right. It's a question of like, did, is that just a, like a basic block set that that kid built that out of? Or is that like a model that he put together based on the direct, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so many questions that we don't know the answer to, to the point where I think that that's the kind of stuff that Lindelof throws in there to kind of keep people looking for clues under every corner to maybe hide the ball on some of the bigger Mm -hmm. mysteries that he doesn't want people to sniff out right away. Because that's the biggest challenge in 2019 with a show like this is not having people figure out the entire plot of the entire season. I mean, that was the problem with, you know, to some extent, some seasons of Game of Thrones. I mean, we knew about stuff from the books, obviously, but people, you know, kind of sniffed out some of the bigger twists in the in the future books that haven't even come out yet years before, because once you get that that kind of group think where people can kind of bring all of their their views on a particular piece of foreshadowing or piece of story you know like track being set up it's really easy to see where someone's going with something so it's very hard in 2019 to uh still like surprise people like people from the first episode were like yeah no Vite's definitely trapped somewhere maybe he's on like a prison in mars like you know something like that so i think there's it's possible lindelof is trying to like 5d chess like create some like fake mysteries so that you don't necessarily see other bigger mysteries like right under Mm -hmm. your nose um so well as far as game of thrones nobody predicted that ending (laughs) (laughs) i did sort of no i did i didn't predict that ending but i was like yeah just fucking danny's not yeah well i don't want to spoil it for anyone but yeah uh yeah not not the heroine people thought she was yeah. yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but I, but I've been saying that for years, so I feel slightly vindicated. But um, yeah, so um, uh, we have that the, the scene after that. We have is the scene where um, uh, Angela and Cal are cooking breakfast for the kids. Obviously, more eggs in that scene. Ton of fucking eggs in this episode. But um, Cal has that really interesting. I don't know if it means anything, and maybe this is again more of just like the try to make him seem like Dr. Manhattan to throw fake breadcrumbs thing. But like where the kids are talking about heaven and he's like, Oh yeah, no guys, heaven, heaven's just make believe. And you know, uh, you're here. And then no, he says it's people- pretend, <laughs> which is he better than make believe. <laughs> so it's implying that like everyone that's, that's told him that that's a thing, uh, has been lying to them. Right. He's mm-hmm. like, that's just the thing. People pretend it's not real. Right. Yeah. And, and when his, um, sort of, uh, entropy version of like what life and death is. It's like, well, before you're born, you just don't exist. And after you die, you don't exist either. And they're like, he doesn't understand why they can't accept that. And they clearly do accept it because they're, they're not like, Hey, but wait a minute. Like they're, they're not, you know, like, well, that's too terrifying to think about. He's just, he knows they can accept it. And that's why he tells them the truth. 
and that's and that's to me i wonder how much of that is like i said kind of like false leads with because it's just a weird moment for an adult to say that to like i you know i personally would probably say that to like my kid but like i don't know you know it just like it's it's not a typical thing you see out of a a portrayal of a parent like child relationship so that's i wonder if that's exactly what my parents told me because they were atheists so you know it's like yeah but it's it's rare i mean well, what I'm saying is, like, I wonder how much of that is to show the audience that that's where, like, society in general is less theistic in the Watchmen universe, maybe because they've had, like, extra-dimensional squid attack, like, where they think at least extra-dimensional squid attacks, and they know yeah. this, like, you know, this this living god, like, an, you know, Dr. Manhattan, who is, like, a, a human, you know, person that that ha- gain these godlike powers. So, like, if he can create life, like, what the fuck is God? You know. So, I wonder how much of that is like just seeped into their kind of consciousness, where they're just a generally less uh, theistic society, or less, you know. Uh, well, we, we old, see the Seventh Cavalry is making their propaganda videos out of a church, right? So yeah. we know that it's not like they don't exist um well no they yeah certainly but they're also like lunatic extremists so like maybe maybe like I, the only i think most religious people are lunatics eh? but i, I do to too me, but, you know. uh, that scene was there to set up that he's like lawful neutral right or lawful good uh and also just extremely honest because later on when he's sort of uh, you know, when, when, when Angela says, well, I'm here to pick a fight. And he's like, I noticed. <laughs> and she's upset because he didn't tell her earlier that Lori had come to the house to talk to him. Uh, yeah. he, he tells, you know, he tells her the absolute truth of what happened. And then she's like, you didn't actually say any of that. He's like, Nope, I lied. And she says, and you hate lying. It's to set up that there is friction between them as supportive as he is. Uh, he doesn't like all the stuff going on that's putting him in a position where he has to lie on her behalf. He just doesn't like to yeah. do that. Especially right? to the but fucking FBI. It's not, you know, not exactly. good for your... <laughs> so you can see that she's on this this mission, right, to, to figure out who Will is and, and you know, figure out who really killed, uh, you know, her chief. But it's putting a strain on their relationship um, in, in a way that he hasn't been vocal about so far. Yeah, yeah, undeniably. Um yeah, so um, we following that we get the scene of Angela uh, going to visit Looking Glass at his uh, home slash bunker. Um, not really sure if that's actually where he lives or if that's like a bunker <laughs> on his property. But um, yeah, yeah, that was so like exactly where you would expect to find a guy like that would be an underground <laughs> bunker. Uh, <laughs> you know, like just like the very much the they've made so many you know sort of visual and behavioral comparisons between looking glass and Roy Shrek, uh, that this just felt like the natural extension of that as well, that, you know, this is like the closest thing to uh, a crummy ten- tenement building you'd find in, uh, you know, the plain States would be an underground bunker. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they show him to be living in this underground bunker. He's, you know, obsessed with the interdimensional squid, uh, that are, that are, you know, constantly falling, um, so I guess he didn't get the memo for it, but, but that also kind of confirms that like, it's not widely known even in like law enforcement circles that the, the squid attack was fake. It seems like maybe the only people that know are, you know, the, the original watchmen who were there to witness it and maybe the government. 
you know, well, we, and that's unclear at this that, point. That got, you know, that has now taken Rorschach's journal to be this gospel. Well, yeah, and people that believe that Rorschach's journal, which most right. people think it's bullshit. So but yeah, what that scene was about that. to me was confirming that Looking Glass is not one of those guys because he's actually trying to figure this out. If he subscribed to their, to their bullshit, uh, then he probably <laughs> wouldn't be doing this you know, like photo investigation uh, trying to figure out where they're really coming from. Right. He would just believe whatever Roy Shack's journal said, like those guys did. So um, the other ambiguous thing was, uh, you know, when she says, do you think he was racist uh, about the chief? He says, well, he was a white man in Oklahoma. Kind of saying, like, <laughs> aren't, aren't all of us racist? Like, I was going to say, well, you're of, a white you know, man in Oklahoma. Yeah, exactly. Um, like he's, he's sort of, you know, being somewhat ambiguous there. But yeah, but that, that, that scene to me confirmed that he's not one of the cavalry, but we still don't know about the chief. Yeah, I don't know. It's just so weird because he does the the parallels between him and Rorschach are so so obvious, like evident. But yeah, I I think he's you know there's there's still a lot to to learn about Looking Glass, and we'll find out a lot more about him in the, in the next episode. But um, I did yeah, think it was interesting sense from the trailer that the next episode is going to be the big standalone. It'll be his like origin. Episode. Mostly his yeah. origin story, though we're going to get some more batshit insanity of from the Vite uh, storyline. It seems like, but um, yeah, but no, for sure. And you know, I it, the, the, in the preview for next week, and this will you know inform what we're talking about from his his uh, scene this week. He's he goes to like an interdimensional like anxiety support group, which is <laughs> so uh, that was like so such fucking a leftovers funny. type moment. So uh, leftover, yeah. Uh, um, but well, I mean, it's just, it'll be that, that, that really just, you know, he's living in this bunker because he's, I, I think, and again, to your point about if he's seventh cavalry guy, he's doing a really good fucking job of, uh, providing a cover story for himself. Cause he's literally living in a, like a, a doomsday preppers bunker because he's afraid of the next squid attack. That's, you know, probably eminent in his mind. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like the that was the the big letdown with the Zack Snyder film was not getting to see the giant squid monster, right? And I, I just feel like they're teasing that, like you know, kind of like the 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 gun in the first act. You gotta have someone's get has to get shot by the third act. Like they keep if they're if they're showing the mini squids falling out of the sky, it seems like we're going to see a much bigger squid eventually. And they even said like, is that, you know, it's, it's not the big one, but you know, like they're sort of implying that like there could be another big one. Uh, and I wonder, you know, if, if we are going to see that, what role the millennium clock has to do with that? Like, are we going to go, you know, is the world going to go back in time to 1985 when we actually do see the real squid attack that happens? Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see with that, and I'm also very interested in the possibilities if that is actually a time travel device of some type. And you know, the f- <laughs> there's just a lot alluding to that later in the episode that we'll talk about. But if it is actually some kind of a time travel device or some something related to time travel, I wonder how much of the original the 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 events of the original series we might see on this show. Like that's something else that. I don't think we ever even maybe considered would be a possibility when they, you know, when we first saw the, you know, the first episode of the show, but we might get to see, you know, 
the events of of the original Watchmen. That, from- that really would be like the ultimate Zack Snyder Zack Snyder troll would be to like, hey, here's the here's the <laughs> real <laughs> ending that you couldn't do. <laughs> Episode eight is just fucking Watchmen, the comic slash the movie, and it's going to be way better than your fucking movie. <laughs> Yeah. There's gonna be a big squid at the end. Uh no, but that'd be interesting. But or or even to see like Angela like interacting with like the well, who knows? I mean, we'll see. Uh this show could go anywhere, which is nice. You know, this well, show this well, episode one is, quick thing I was yeah, gonna yeah. throw in there, um which is wasn't on the show, but uh if uh, we've been reading the the uh PDPedia files on uh, HBO's website, supposedly this this collection of dossiers and documents. Uh, put together by Agent Petey in the show, who I actually think may have been Lube Man. Uh, oh, yeah, for and, sure. Same body. <laughs> yeah, and and there's a great one uh, for this episode. It's a, like a, a deposition between um, Lori and the FBI from 1995 when her and Night Owl were apprehended, right? Because in this world at that time, uh, masked vigilantes were outlawed, right? And they had, uh, you know, she had at the at the end of the Watchmen graphic novel taken on the name the comedian, right? Because she was sort of you know, accepting the fact that her father was was the was the comedian. Uh, and you know, you kind of wonder, like, well, how did she go from in '95 being a mass vigilante to now being this, you know, uh, crack shot FBI agent herself? You know, what wh- what facilitated such a dramatic transition for her? And this deposition is basically like her being. Uh, interrogated by these two FBI agents, and it's it's like all formatted like a like a transcript, and there's like parts that are redacted, uh, but it's hilarious. And I guarantee Lindelof wrote this dialogue, and it so feels like like Gene Smart's character, uh, but at like a transitional period between the sort of you know somewhat lost and unsure of herself version of of Lori of Silk Smacker 2 in the comic, and then this very different version. It's a great transitional thing to understand, kind of like the where she, her character went and you realize that like she's she's still like cracking jokes the whole time she's been interrogated and the fbi agents don't know what to do with it like they don't know how to like get the answers they want out of her and she's running circles around them in this interview and you, you get the sense that she is sort of thinking in her own mind like i'm smarter than these idiots i could do this job and also at the very end she kind of reveals that she knows the truth about the squid attack and that's her basically basically her get out of jail free card is that knowledge yeah yeah, which which also kind of implies that maybe the government knows about it as well, and that's you know which, which is why it was such a big like exactly. as you said kind of get out of jail free card. Yeah, also um, in the PDP files for the episode are the schematics for the giant <laughs> blue dildo. <laughs> yes, which she reveals in that interview was made as a joke for her by by Night Owl by Daniel Dryberg because like she was I mean, always is, pining what for a, her ex. <laughs> what a cuck move! <laughs> yeah, I know, it really was. <laughs> Of of like your 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 the woman that you love's ex boyfriend who's like you know way, way more way better endowed than you yeah that was that was definitely a, a cuck move to the extreme um, but you know give us a great scene so yeah no it really did <laughs> um, and, and it also makes a lot of sense now we were trying to figure out the mechanics of it and like the how the, the, the detachable ball sack and whether or not that was like a a power source but now that we know it's night owl tech we we can assume that that was like a some kind of like a reusable, you know, power source. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so yeah, from that, uh, from that scene, uh, with looking glass, we go right to, uh, to lube man as, as he's being, cl- uh, colloquially referred to, 
which is you know the nickname given to him by uh, Red Scare when they were talking about him because he's literally this fucking weird skinny silver uh, costumed guy who watches Angela as she's throwing this uh, bag over the bridge, which you were saying had the the wheelchair in it, and um. And just, you know, after he witnesses that, he takes off running. Uh, I'm presuming he. I mean, it could be a she, although he's, it was pretty. Yeah, pretty that was f- a guy. That was definitely. It was, yeah, he was pretty, like, flat, you know, flat-chested and, like, slender, like, all around. So it would be a, yeah, it's probably, it, it, it most, more than likely, is, like as we were saying, is Petey. Because it, it, just, it had- what a weird superpower. Like, what do you, what's your superpower? <laughs> well, I c- if you, if someone chases me, I can slip through this, this storm drain right here. <laughs> So I have to, I can't go more than a few hundred feet away. That's my, my radius of operation. Uh, and as soon as I use my power, I have to throw the belt off too. And I don't have any way to, it's like, just what, what? and it's like, literally that it must've been what that was for, because he literally without hesitating, pulled out this fucking oil and like oiled himself up and slid down the sewer. Uh, so clearly like that's, that's the purpose of his, his his vigilante attire is to, <laughs> it's, is to, to run himself away. up and then run away. <laughs> yeah. like what the fuck? Well, I, I just um, I love that Red Scare like immediately comes up with the name Lube Man. Like that's just their whole thing is like <laughs> coming up with with fucking that's their whole shtick, right? Uh, I am a little bit sad though that like we we haven't gotten any characterization with Pirate Jenny and Red Scare beyond just like a few good one liners. Like I I really hope we get an episode that that just delves into them a bit more. You know, I know their background characters just to kind of flesh out the, the vigilante uh, detective task for, you know, group yeah. of, of police on this force, but it's, it's, you know, it just, you got these two great characters. We've gotten very little of, and I just want hope we do get to see more. Well, I'm fascinated to, to, to learn about how like, like someone like red scare, who's like an open, openly communist Soviet, would come to not only live in the United States, but work for like the Tulsa police. It's just a very interesting story, I'm sure. But uh, who yeah. knows? Well, we know it, that in this world that, uh, you know, the Soviet Union the Cold and Russia Wars, yeah, and, and the yeah. U.S. are supposedly more allies than they are in our world. But we sort of theorized in one of the first ep- uh, reviews we did that it might be some kind of, uh, you know, KGB uh, exchange program, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, yeah, but but you know, regardless, I think Red Scares is batting like five hundred. You know, he's batting like a thousand in, in in the cleanup spot where he barely ever you know gets screen time. But every time he does, he's fucking amazing. So, you know, I'll take that for now. Hopefully, we get a little bit more later. But um, yeah, so from there we go uh, to the scene with Lori and Angela in the car, um, and you know they have an interesting conversation. Um, there's not a ton there in terms of plot advancement, but I think there's a lot in terms of, I think we're to, we're to kind of understand that by the end of the series, they're going to be working together a lot more than maybe they would like to right now, because they, they obviously have a very, you know, kind of standoffish relationship, very different. I mean, Lori has a standoffish relationship with everybody, but um, they seem to be on the same side ostensibly and there and and if you know some cataclysmic event is coming uh which we think it is going to uh they will probably be uh on the same side trying to stop it so i think we'll be seeing more of them together and they have they have great chemistry just as actors together you know 
Especially to, when you see that at the end of the day, they're both law enforcement. And when they are sort of lightly interrogating Lady True, you realize that like she really is the villain here, not the two of them. Right. And and that yeah. this is the real adversary that they're both going to work together to uh, take on as, as things unfold. And we see what this plot is. Assuming it is, you know, something that's going to be very harmful. Usually when, when somebody who's a trillionaire is talking about, uh, no, it's going to be the first monument of the new world. You're like, okay, this person clearly has plans to, uh, do very great genocide or something yeah. good kind of a thing yeah <clears throat> yeah well i mean she's she undeniably like a fight you know protege um yeah well so that's 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 where they're going in in the car so they they uh oh by the way i love how in the car like they're talking for tw- like 15 minutes it feels like and then all of a sudden like laurie asked Petey a question you didn't even realize he's like sitting in the back like a creep just not saying anything <laughs> the whole right. time you wonder what he was um, thinking about the whole time before he got called on to to say something. He's kind of like, <laughs> he's like, um, what? Like, did you just say my name? Like, he doesn't even, he's not even listening to their conversation, which you, you think he would be. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then they go into the the kind of backstory of um, of Laurie and the comedian and how the comedian, you know, raped her mother, and and basically to kind of let Angela in on the fact that you know she's not the only one who who became a vigilante to deal with tragedy i think that was you know a subtle bit of bonding between them that they have a shared tragedy uh a shared tragic past which uh is why they you know dress up in costumes and beat the shit out of criminals like you know that's not a well, the, normal the, healthy thing for you to exact, do if, you know uh, lying i love too because she's like i she's like yeah you know you wear the mask to you know because of the trauma she's like no i wear it because to protect myself she's like yeah yeah from the trauma. Like we're, you just, you, you, you know, she's sort of, you know, and it's not like she doesn't think that Angela has, you know, she's inexperienced or naive. It's just that she has just a little bit more experience with this stuff and kind of is very frank and open about it. That like, this is, I understand why people are this way. You know, I'm, I'm st- it's still my job to catch them, but I, I understand why they are what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So we, from there we get the meeting, uh, between Lauren, Angela and, uh, lady true in her, uh, compound, uh, or yeah, her, her fucking, you know, SpaceX like <laughs> campus, whatever the hell that was. Um, and uh, by the way, I don't know if you'd noticed, but I, I, that scene that like the, the hangar they were in looked familiar to me, but somebody actually found a screen grab. It's the same exact hangar that they, uh, filmed Avengers Endgame in. Where, where they oh, have yeah. the time machine. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. I mean, you, you don't uh, have a space that big that you film in and not use it multiple times, right? Yeah, I wonder uh, if that's like an airport. I wonder what that is, actually. But yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah interesting set piece. I but mean, they, they do shoot the show uh, in and around Atlanta. So that, that huge thing could be part of um, what's-his-name's big uh, film studio down there. Help me out. Kyler Perry? Yes, that might be yeah, part yeah. of his complex. Um but yeah, I, there's I, actually he, a big yeah film industry down there, so it's possible. Yeah, sure. well, I, he just opened up his his like n- huge new studio expansion, and pe- people were like, "Oh, this is this is Black Hollywood right now." So, um, yeah, you notice that when they went into the section, it's like the like the uh, sort of geodesic dome that was all humid to uh, replicate or for the plants that were all from Vietnam. Yeah. Right, that there was a little butterfly that flies up, and that's almost exactly 
what the sort of uh, <clears throat> geodescent dome terrarium in Antarctica that Vite had looked like. Right. So it's, it's like mm. straight up just stole it from him, basically. Well, and uh, she did buy all his tech. So it's possible that it is just his tech that she is using for, for you know, to, to replicate her, her climate. That right. She wants to. Right. Right. Well, it, it's also just sort of suggests that, you know, whatever the whatever the, the uh, sort of artificial world that Vite is in could be a, just like a bigger version of that, that uh, that we've, we've seen him in. Um, yeah. For sure, I, I'm still I'm still not a hundred percent on whether or not I think that True's keeping him prisoner or Manhattan because it it does seem like there's a lot to indicate that it could be true, and uh, you know especially in this episode, but it still seems like technology that would be beyond even her conceptualization in terms of like that we know of. I mean, that we know, but like we're, what we're what, seeing a very small little thing that she's willing to show people. Uh, also the fact that when they're, you know, she has this giant statue of him, well, not giant statue a, a life-size statue and Current Lori, Adrian invite too. Right. And Lori says, why'd you make him look so old? And she says, because he is old. So she's like flat out saying like, she knows he's alive. Like she's not, yeah. she, she didn't like, you know, slip up and accidentally say that she's just, you know, fairly open yeah. about her, her, uh, what she wants to do, or is at least only revealing a little bit at a time. Uh, but you know, just the fact that she's recreated this chunk of Vietnam, cause she says that, you know, she promised her mother she'd never leave Vietnam. Uh, that to me was like, okay, this is very much like, you know, in the original graphic novel, the Vietnam war was a big central part of that story. Right. And this is clearly somebody who is very connected to that place. Right. And, and like we saw with, uh, you know, the, the, the race massacre destruction of, uh, of black wall street in Tulsa, uh, also seeing the, the black soldiers in world war one, reading the Nazi propaganda saying, you know, why are you fighting for, uh, well, not Nazi propaganda, proto Nazi propaganda, uh, trying to get them to recognize they're fighting for a country that doesn't respect them. You know, going back and thinking about the events that are in the graphic novel and just the Vietnam war in general, She's clearly this is this is her motivation, right? Yeah, and not to jump too far ahead, you know, we're almost there. But the the her daughter, uh, Bien, uh, well, ninety nine percent sure that's a clone oh, of her it's, mother. It's her. Yeah, yeah, that's her. No, no, sure. no. I'm pretty sure it's a clone of her mother, right? Oh, she of said, her mother. Yes, of her mother. Okay. Yes, uh, and when she has the dream. Pretty sure that's her mother's memory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now that makes it, yeah, yeah. Well, so that this is the interesting thing now. So, and, and I mentioned this theory to you earlier, and you said you didn't like it, but I'm going to, I'm not going to try to sell you on it, but I'm going to try to explain, w- explain why I think it's maybe possible the show's building towards this. And I want to kind of explain it to the audience if they're not familiar with it. So, in the comics, um, there is this uh, scene in Vietnam with, uh, with with Blake, the comedian, and Doctor Manhattan, right? So they're obviously you know working together to to fight in the war. Um, and after the war is kind of over, they're, they're, uh, John and Blake are in a bar, and this woman comes up to uh, to comedian, and you know she's visibly pregnant, and she's like, "What are we going to do about this child?" It was clearly like somebody he's he'd had either an affair with or rape who knows i mean with with him he fucking rapes everything that moves but it's possible maybe they just had they they hooked up while he was you know serving there 
Um, and he's like, you know, that's not mine. We're not going to do anything about it, blah, blah, blah. And it eventually escalates and he ends up shooting her. Um, and Blake says to Manhattan, because I think they were arguing about, you know, the value of human life. And he says, well, look, you know, hey, she was right there. You didn't do anything to stop it. You knew that was going to, you knew that was happening. You could have stopped that. You didn't. Um, now, in the comic, he uh he actually lingers behind and like i think bends over her body and you know it's unclear what happens with her after that but a lot of people think and i am not 100 percent sure this isn't what they're leading to that it's possible that manhattan did at least save the baby in in her you know stomach or you know recruit who knows what the fuck he that he did you know he can do a lot of things sure with genetics, I, I think but- that's that's somewhat possible but, no, 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 but hang on there's more to it there's more to it there's the time out let me let me get through the whole thing before um so but but so and the reason that people think that this might so number one age-wise it could work out i mean she's of an indeterminate age but i mean i wouldn't think it's crazy to say she's 40 you know that or whatever age she'd be from vietnam um especially since the vietnam war extended longer in this universe than it did in uh in, in America, you know, it ended, but it, it, I think it ended in like 80 or whatever it was. Um, but uh, the whole idea that she's now uh, running this, that she's the world's first trillionaire. Uh, she's creating this insane technology. Theoretically, she's the smartest woman in the world because that's, you know, what they used to say about Vite. He was the smartest man in the world. Um, if she is actually creating some kind of a time travel device, uh, it would seem to me to be not not beyond the realm of possibility that Manhattan somehow, you know, infused her with this amazing, like, you know, knowledge of of how to manipulate, you know, quarks and and atoms and all these things to create this because this technology that's completely just you know conceptual and not even within the realm of scientific possibility as far as we know in modern, you know. A society so it, it it wouldn't be crazy a crazy notion that the the theoretically smartest person in the world has some level of connection to dr manhattan on some kind of a molecular level um so i don't know i mean i i don't know if that's where they're going with it but i think that's an interesting theory and maybe not you know outside the realm of possibility with with lady true and and one other thing with that is that she actually would represent, I mean, and, you know, the interesting thing about that is, like, she would kind of represent the fact that Manhattan still does have humanity in him. Because, like, you know, that whole reason Blake said that about it was like, yeah, you know, you could have stopped that, you could have saved her, but you didn't because you don't give a fuck about these people. Uh, well, that would, you know, kind of, uh, on the contrary, kind of say, well, look, he does still have some humanity left in him. I mean, that, and that's kind of the big question at the end of Watchmen is, is he just so, a complete alien? Just to clarify, the theory is just that she's the daughter of the comedian, essentially. Yeah, who, who, was, who was in her mother's womb when the comedian killed her and then was maybe somehow extracted by John basically sure. yeah so my counter to that theory is that that's just i think that that would be lazy writing for one uh we've established that personal trauma is a motivator for these masked vigilantes she's something very different and that dream wasn't about a single person you know doing some wrong to her or her daughter uh it was about 
just uh, men who come into a village and burn it, which was a very ubiquitous action done by uh, many, many, many different U.S. soldiers, right? So she's doing something much larger than just you know going after uh, criminals because of personal trauma. Her, the injustice to her is much more widespread or or the injustice of what the u.s did in vietnam was much more widespread uh more akin to the injustice we see uh that happened in 1921 right where it's not as personal of a thing as it is uh political right and and systemic so that's why i think when she says uh you know she had this dream and she had to walk so far and her feet still hurt she says good she's saying to her i want you to remember that pain She's saying that's something that we need to remind ourselves of as our motivation for what we're about to do, whatever that may be. Right. So I think that, that, you know, same thing with Will, that he took the last name of this, this, uh, you know, the Bass Reeves character in the movie he's watching the very opening scene uh, that he has his motivation lines up with hers. Right. That what they're getting revenge for uh, is something much broader than just a personal wrong. Uh, yeah, yes, but that to me that just seems slightly like mixed messaging because someone like Lady True, for her to represent the 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 tragedy of Vietnam and the 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 just one of the you know real stains on on modern day you know United States foreign policy, um maybe the biggest stain you know outside of maybe Iraq I mean probably Vietnam's worse but um for her to represent that she's kind of a weird representative for that because number one, she seems to be being set up as ostensibly the villain. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to line her up as the next Adrian Vite, And he was That's no know. contradiction there. I mean, what, what was Thanos's motivation to wipe out half of all life? You, you know, he said it was, there was people who were starving because they were overpopulated, right? Like his, 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 well, we don't know what her plan is though. We have no idea if well, that's what her plan is or if she literally just wants to fucking, you know, wipe out humanity and rebuild it in her. Like, who knows? Sure. But it it doesn't matter that what I'm saying is this is her motivation. They made it very clear what her motivation is for what she's doing. But it seems, yeah, it just seems weird to me that the only character who's representative of Vietnam outside of, you know, sister Knight, who's not a native Vietnamese, but was born in Vietnam, uh, would be a villain. And, yeah, I don't know. I just, it seems like a weird thing to me. I, I mean, it's possible. It's very, I, and I think it's still unknown what she's actually up to, but she's clearly like has very evil. Ten- I mean, like the way she acted with the, with the family at the opening, you know, uh, sequence was definitely to establish her character as a ruthless individual. And the fact that she's a trillionaire, I think is completely immoral in and of itself in a world where there are people that are fucking, you know, obviously we sure. think Jeff I, Bezos is one of the worst people in the fucking world, but, I mean, like, but you know, we, it's we just a weird seen her do anything ruthless. She did something very cunning, knowing this is what this family wanted more than anything. Uh, it, it, you know, having their DNA and, and making a baby is, is completely immoral <laughs> to bring a life into the world. It, artificially yeah, fucked up as a I bargaining mean. ship, but it's not ruthless. You know, now if she really did kill the baby, then that would be ruthless. Sure. Uh, well, I we believed her when she said a, she would kill the baby. So I don't know. I mean, I, I believe that there is there's some chance that she would kill the baby, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot to still learn about her character. I think you know, I think that they that she could be that could be her origin. That could and she could still be an interesting character beyond that. Um, 
I don't think her being saved from the womb of her dead mother by Dr. Manhattan would invalidate any of the things you were mentioning about, you know, her representing no. the trauma of Vietnam. You know, what I mean? it, it's an interesting. Right. No, everything all on I'm the show is connected. Is that, so I like, I don't know. Right. When they, it's just what I'm, what I'm con- contrasting it to is the motivation for all these other characters is much smaller. It's personal for her. It's much larger. It is a very political thing. It's it's she she brought a, like a chunk of Vietnam with her that's inside this terrarium where she keeps the humidity tur- turned up like that's how much Vietnam is in her and in her mind and is a constant reminder of why it is she's doing whatever it is she's about to be doing. Right. So that's I'm just trying to make that distinction of what it is I'm actually saying. Yeah, no, I, I, I got you. Um but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it's very, it's it's very tenuous what the hell she's doing at the moment. Um, obviously, she's working with Will. Again, no idea why, no idea how they know each other. That that's going to become hopefully more clear to us. But uh, we we do learn that uh, Will can actually walk, which was something you know. Um, and it's unclear, by the way. I, I'm not sure if it's implied that it's because of this, whatever he's taking, or if it's just literally he was bullshitting the entire time i mean does that would well, you notice he looked a lot younger like his skin just looked younger like they'd aged him up for the first episode somebody somebody actually put a screenshot from episode one yeah and he, he looks significantly older he's like got like more like gray hair like i don't know I, it, it's very so the the pills it made me think weren't just for his memory but are actually <clears throat> like de-aging pills uh, uh again a reference to time in some way yeah, and that's that also it's like what the fuck else is Lady True involved in if she can do this shit that makes this yeah. guy who is maybe crippled, you know, walk again. Like that's yeah, so I don't know what the fuck is going on. Same with the IV in the, years the old, kid's so. arm. Um wondering if that's the just like the liquid version of the same pills that he was taking. Uh and the other the other thing was um, you know, we have we kind of jumped over the Adrian Vite segment, but uh oh, you know, yeah, when, nice when, he's, when he <laughs> he sort of um mentions that the you know the the pills can also implant memories as well Well, yeah i mean that's an interesting i mean he used that to some extent when he was creating the uh the 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 giant squid too because he 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 like brought all these people in you know and told him this was this big hollywood production that he it's a very all of this reeks of like vites like experimentation so it's very like it's again it's tenuous but i guess we'll we'll know more as the season goes on but uh you mentioned vite and uh you know we've been very clear on the show that this is like some of the best shit that we've ever seen on on a fucking television show this insane uh absurdity that we get every time we visit the the vite mansion so this episode, we uh, see Vite in, uh, I don't know if it was an ocean or a lake. It's kind of, uncle- it seemed like more of a lake. Yeah, but- more like a like a small contained pond. There wasn't yeah. any kind of, um, you know, the, the only. It wasn't like waves, right? It, it seemed like more of a, yeah, it seemed like it was contained. Yeah. Um. So, and then we see him uh, in, in, you know, a small fishing boat. And he pulls up a kind of a, a like a lobster. uh cage and uh there is a uh, vaguely humanoid fetus in this uh, lobster cage <laughs> and um yeah so 
you know, I, I have so many questions. Uh, none of them are going to be answered at this mo- at this time. But uh, how do these things breathe underwater? What the fuck are they? Uh, why does he like pick one up and throw it back? Was well, it not it the was, right? One of them was missing arms, right? So, <laughs> it, so he's looking like he's looking for the best ones, but he knows even the best ones are imbeciles, right? Yeah, like it, it's sort of part of the you know where, where he admits that uh, you know he agreed to this this place and living here, but it wasn't what he was told it was. You get the sense that like he originally thought that his servants were going to be people he could have carry on a conversation with. Uh, and, and that's sort of part of his, his frustration is like just being surrounded by idiots. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, but uh, so now he, he pulls this thing up from the water. Like I, I didn't miss anything, right? Like these things were all underwater. Like they were, they're, they're living underwater, but then he brings them yeah. up and they're like humanoid. Uh-huh. So what the fuck? Like, is this is this like water that you can breathe in? Did the, this is but why I don't, I don't think it, <laughs> <laughs> fucking this is like by far the most batshit thing I've ever seen on television. This this five minute sequence of him fishing with a lobster cage and bringing up these like water breathing fetuses and then putting them in this little rotisserie spinner microwave and then turning Did them you into ever, like, um, <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, you had those little you you'd buy those little like. Uh, they were a little like it's like a little hard plastic toy animal, and you drop it in water, and over twelve hours it would like expand until it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know twenty. Maybe it's just like that where you just throw them <laughs> in water, and they sort of come to life. But then you gotta like you know throw them in the rotisserie oven, which also looked like an egg, uh, and then they very rapidly grow into full size idiots. I mean, wh- what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, I just can't even. I mean, th- but this is why this is like my favorite show on television right now because no other show that you watch is going to have a scene of a guy fishing for fucking fetuses in some alien like bio, you know, hollow dome, uh, and then sticking them in a microwave and getting you know fully formed adult you know idiot servants like a, a ten minutes later. Like, it, this is just the the level of insanity is is you know. Oh, we haven't even well gotten to the catapult 10. yet. And we haven't even gotten to the catapult <laughs> yet. So let's, yeah. So, um, but, but, so, but real quick though, about the fetuses, cause I'm, I'm just endlessly fascinated by this. Uh, this is why I don't think it's necessarily lady true. That's keeping him in prison because this seems to be technology beyond human. I mean, it, it seems to be technology beyond human capabilities of, of invention, even Hard for to even call it technology. It's just, d- like almost Lovecraftian Whatever. in, in very low, yeah. <laughs> twisted and bizarre it is. Yeah. But, and it uh, seems like the only person that could create that kind of like weird, uh, like life form would be someone like Manhattan who can just, you know, manipulate the, the quarks and atoms and, you know, all the shit in the, like, and create right. whatever the fuck he wants out of nothing. I, I just don't know how anyone, even a geneticist, like the world's best geneticist could come up with, some kind of creature like that that you could stick in a fucking microwave sure. and turn it to an and adult. And it, it calls back to the last scene that uh, between Manhattan and Vite in the comic, where he said he's going to go to another galaxy and create new life of his own. Right. So that that very much could be what he has done. And yeah, you know, through trial and error, came up with like an inferior recipe for clones that he's <laughs> sold to Vite uh, under false pretense, but. Uh, yeah, I, I saw some reviews online where people were saying that, uh, you know, uh, in, in the comics, uh, Vite hated Dr. Manhattan. Uh, 
Uh, and I was like, no, he didn't. He he framed him for giving people cancer to, to get him off the planet. But it wasn't out of malice. He was just trying to figure out a way to get him to voluntarily leave. And that was the only I don't think Veidt hates anybody. He's no, yeah, Veidt he was doesn't. like above like he's he's a fucking megalomania. He's like obsessed with like, you know, creating a new society in his image. He's beyond petty. You know, except for yeah. the game warden, he doesn't like that fucking guy. But you know, <laughs> well, he sees him as a as a worthy adversary at some point. So yeah, they never really explain like what what happened when he put his costume on and went back to hunt the buffalo at midnight. Like, it, <laughs> it, was there not really a threat after all? Was that game warden like literally just got lucky that he ran into him at that point? I'm very uh, upset we didn't get to see him riding around in his fucking costume oh, shooting at buffalo. I'm <laughs> disappointed about that, but there's still um, time. So we we uh, we get to see like the full extent of, of his madness when he goes into the mansion with the two new clones uh, with, you know, the two of them are seeing all this for the first time and his hair is all unkempt and he says, sorry about the mess. And then you get the reveal of like something like 25 dead bodies that have all been shot or stabbed uh, the, the previous evening <laughs> and yeah. you realize that he just like, you know, you see the cake there that he has slice of with four candles. You realize it's been four years now, which he actually says it's been four years. Um, and he said, oh, he also says I had a bad night. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> like, like, Hey, here, here's your new job. Uh, but don't get too cozy. Cause you may not be here very long before I go nuts and kill you. <laughs> and it's clear that it's like, he's not even, you know, doing it as an experiment now. Now it's just out of pure, uh, just rage basically <laughs> where he's yeah. just kind of like, you know, he, he kind of says like, well, I'd never do this to a, a, a being whose life had purpose. It's just, your lives have no purpose. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he admits to the fact that he didn't create them, which we, you know, speculated on from the first episode based on right. the way he treated them. But there are a lot of confirmations of, of things that we and other you know people on the internet have been speculating about with Vite. Um, from the, by the way, I, I don't know if like, it, yeah, I don't know. I, the, the the year thing is weird because I, like as, as I was mentioning to you, uh, I, I still think he could be on Mars. Like that that Manhattan's kept him on like the far side of Mars and like this this you know hollow dome whatever it is thing. But um, because he's he's been on there, he's been there for four years, but he's only been gone from the U.S. since 2017, as far as people know. I think he was declared dead in 2017. Um, well, he's been missing since 2012. He was declared dead in 2017. Yeah, but but apparently Lady True's organization had a lot to do with him being declared dead and, and you know, then claiming his assets. So I wonder okay. if they imprisoned him in 20, you know, like, I, well, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's still a lot to be. But the reason I was saying that is because on Mars, uh, a year on Earth is about two years on Mars or it takes, you know, it, mm-hmm. Roughly, you know, due to the difference in, in gravitational, whatever. So it's possible that if he did get imprisoned in 2017, that he was there, he's been there for four years. And that's and then we'll presumably be seeing him coming into the modern timeline because he's one way or another getting off this right. fucking well, fake so biodome. Whether or not he's, it's not know, a flashback, but I think me and Lindelof have the same understanding of a flashback. And it's a little bit different than what other people. He's being a little cute with the wording when he says that, I think. Right. Because, you know, like if you look at the the film Dunkirk, where you've got three different stories all on track happening concurrently, but they're taking place over different spans of time. Which one would you call the flashback? Because technically none of them are flashbacks. Right. So I think what we're what we're seeing here is 
we are seeing a, a, a storyline that's running in, in the same time period, but over a longer span of time, that's eventually yeah. these two stories will catch up and converge, right? So w- when I think of a flashback, I think of flashing back to a scene we've already seen before, not just showing events <clears throat> that have taken place prior to this other story that are eventually going to converge. Um, but yeah, I, you would imagine if he's on Mars, then those would be you know uh, Mars years, but maybe not. Maybe they're still using an Earth calendar. You know, you notice he's got like you know, clocks everywhere that have the same, you know, 12 hours well, I, cycle. So, you know, I think and I'm, I could be totally wrong about this, but I think what like an Earth's passage of 24 hours um, is twice as long, takes twice as long on Mars. So, you know, meaning that it would he is counting in Earth years, but he's counting four Earth years. But there's only been two years that have passed on on actual earth like if, if he's on mars i, I mean who knows if he's... anyway just that that globe was the big giveaway to me that he's uh in sort of a, a another world that is not on possibly planet, but or he doesn't know where he is and he's been you know that's the other possibility is that manhattan or true or whoever has kept him in the dark about what planet he is actually on that's why they gave sure. him that like fake globe and then he's trying to escape to figure out where the fuck he actually is right. maybe he's not trying we've we've been talking about like he's trying to escape but like where the fuck is he going to go once he gets out of this prison maybe he's just trying to get up there to see what the fuck there is to see and then come back that down be and make true. a better plan you know? especially with as much experimentation as he'd done because if he knew it was the vacuum of space then he wouldn't have been surprised that it completely froze philip that yeah time. true it, it I, might think, be, I think we've cracked something here <laughs> uh, yeah 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 uh, especially because you know when you when you see the the body go flying out into the into the air it doesn't gradually disappear it gets smaller and smaller then at one point it's as though it passes through like a uh, like a hologram wall and then it just yeah. vanishes. And we see that twice. It does the same thing twice. So it wasn't an accident. It wasn't just bad CGI. Um, yeah. did, did you remember what the line was that he, because he, he actually, he's talking he had to a the, funny line. I can't two, remember it though. The two live clones when they're in the dining hall with all the dead bodies. But there's a moment where he looks down and sees that one of them is holding, one of the dead bodies is holding that ho- horseshoe. And he takes it from he him says, and he says something to him. Well, he says, not yet. I don't need it yet. Which is interesting. Yeah, like I don't what, know what the fuck that what means? Is that? What the <laughs> like? Like there's some something else going on there, right? But I love that he throws it, and it like <laughs> lands on a knife sticking out of the chest of another dead clone, and it, like wraps around it like a like he's playing a game of horseshoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! This is just um, you, you imagine like what you know? Just the the scene where he butchered them all. What you know like you kind of want to see that scene just to see how how maniacal see if he still got the moves and shit yeah see if he had like like what music he was playing while he did it you know (laughs) it was attached to was he enraged like yeah Yeah. um no but (laughs) yeah no so i I just love everything about the story i don't know where it's going it it did seem like he was like that was the first time he confirmed because it seems like that was the first catapult he built that was actually powerful enough to, to catapult them any well i don't know any significant distance maybe because the one the one clone did come back frozen so i guess from the vacuum of space so maybe he did get that one out of the atmosphere but i, I think had it had a rope tied around it though and yeah. the other ones didn't 
So was he just disposing of the bodies this way? Was that maybe, the difference? I think he was just testing maybe the gravity of, of like, see if they would come back. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's, know. it's an interesting, but I, cause it did seem like he was like, oh, well, look, I guess I can get out if I, if I do that. Yeah. Um, but I did get like severe, you know, I mentioned, I think in the first episode, first couple episodes, like Truman show vibes where it's very obviously like the horizon, just this fake, you know, right this fake thing that you're living in uh obviously it's it's much better technology where it's like this hologram but principle is pretty much the same so you you obviously watched the preview for next episode uh did you happen to freeze frame it when it showed the the suit that he was putting on next to the catapult no but I, but just from what i saw it looked to be more advanced than the one he had phillips wearing although it, it was similar it, it, it looked yeah it definitely was, but you could tell that there was little tufts of buffalo fur on it, uh, where like <laughs> oh, at the seams. Yeah. yeah, so he clearly did go back and get the buffalo that he wanted. Um, but yeah, it, there's like three tubes coming out of it. It's much thicker. The helmet looks like it could be airtight. So it looks like he's going to at least make the first attempt to actually escape in the next episode so we'll, what's we'll, the plan though like where's he gonna get, like so number one if he gets out of the in, out of the dome and is floating in space um th- obviously i mean like physics would dictate he would just keep going and float off into space you know theoretically i have no idea i mean it, is we he, don't know where the fuck he is though like yeah exactly we don't know if we're gonna find on. out we're gonna find out i hope i hope we, we find out or at least like reveal where he is at the very least because it's like come yeah. on we this is oh no killing. i think i think for sure next episode we're gonna find out where he is because he's gonna go he's on the catapult so he's gonna go up you know hopefully he's got a rope or something on him to but like if he gets back into his his prison like he's gonna how's he gonna re-enter the atmosphere and not be you know crushed like a fucking grape so I, i'm very curious to see what what happens next uh next episode did but. you ever see the the uh it was a 1960s television show called the prisoner no no i've never seen it it, it really weird trippy psychedelic tv show <laughs> like definitely uh trying to I- embrace the counterculture in a lot of ways that uh are yeah. kind of cring- cringe worthy when you watch it now um but it was it was very much like this in that it was very unclear what the rules were. And it was also, it's like it was, he was on an island, but they never really said where the island was. And there was all these weird, like, mind puzzles he had to figure out to try to get off the island. And it so was seemed lost as, before lost, basically. <laughs> sort of, yeah. It, but it was like a, like a psychedelic 60s version of that. Um, yeah. And it was just like a puzzle. And none of it really followed the rules of physics either. Uh, and yeah, so that was, that, that reminds me of that a little bit where we, we, we really, we may not ever actually know any, some of the, some of the answers to what this place actually is. Uh, it may just be like a prison of the mind, man, like kind of a thing where, well, some people uh, think that, that he is like actually trapped in some kind of a, a state, like where he's actually trying to escape, like a, he's actually just a mental prison (laughs) (laughs) or, or or like a mental, like an actual mental prison, which would explain all this bizarre shit that he's, you know, experiencing. That's not, you know, not physically possible, possible, not physically possible. Yeah. It'll be a little disappointing um, to find I'd out be disappointed that it was in that just for all sure. a, a dream he's having and as he's, you know, trying to wake up from a coma, actually, right? That would yeah. be just kind of like, eh, that's all right, whatever. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I don't think that's the case, but it, it's, but you know, it's on the table. Uh, 
the much more exciting possibility is that he is being held in space somewhere. And but then again, how is he going to get back? Well, the other thing people speculate is that maybe that was him in that opening scene, w- w- the meteorite or whatever it was, the something that crashed into that field. Oh, yeah, there you go. You, you know, I mean, maybe he found a craft. Maybe he took one of our our, our landers. Maybe if he's on the moon, maybe there's a fucking you know. Um, uh, 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 some kind of a, a ship that's still like you know that he could figure out a way to propel back towards earth and you know so maybe survive the a, re-entry you know something like um like lady true wanted to get him out of the way for a certain amount of time but gave him the means to figure out how to get mm. back at the exact moment she needed him to, to return for one particular reason or another yeah uh yeah that 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 seems plausible to me that that she's not yeah. really trying to get rid of him so much as just kind of uh, lock him away for a little while, uh, knowing him so well that uh, she knows the exact minute he'll actually figure it out and, and, and return to Earth as you know in a fireball and crash land on this farm. And that seems like a good as a good answer as any as to what we didn't really talk about that. What what actually was the thing that crashed to the Earth in the opening scene? Obviously, you know there were allusions to to Superman because of the the Clark Farms and the thing crashing from space, but. What now are we to think that that's is that illusion to put in our heads? Hey, maybe that's Doctor Manhattan, or is that illusion like to, you know, throw the scent off of the fact that that was Vite just re-entering the atmosphere, and then True is going to go pick him up? And yeah, I, I, I gotta know. say, I, I, it's, my money's on Vite. Uh, yeah, Manhattan doesn't makes the most sense. Doesn't uh, come flying down as a fireball. He just appears out of nowhere. Uh, but he could, yeah, teleport essentially. So he yeah. doesn't really need to, yeah, yeah. to to fly in like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, just very interested to see where that goes. Um, yeah. So, um, the final scene we get is that, uh, scene with, with Lady True and Will at the Millennium Clock and they're, you know, talking about, uh, whatever there is to come. Uh, and you know, they, they end the episode by saying, uh, tick tock. So I, you know, obviously, which is the phrase that the Seventh Cavalry have been using, and a lot of people speculate that the Seventh Cavalry uh, are either a completely false flag situation, or they're just useful idiots in the game that True is. But which is what I'm leaning more towards is that they're kind of useful idiots in this game that she's playing, and that it's possible she's orchestrating this whole thing, and you know, Will being involved with her kind of maybe lends some credence to that because he was, you know there with with judd you know at the at the tree where he's hang, hung and all that so i don't know i mean it, it's it's an interesting thing to think about well we know that the, the bunch of racist clan motherfuckers wouldn't willingly work for uh a, a vietnamese woman and a black woman. oh no so yeah for sure whatever involvement they have is uh you know either they're being manipulated by various parties uh clearly being manipulated somehow by senator king um one of the other uh, items in the PDPedia files was the, some well, it was a letter uh, that the uh, Senator Keene Sr. that wrote the Keene Act uh, gave, uh, along with the painting, uh, the, the Comanche Horses painting, to uh, Judd's father back in 1955. And it clearly says, I'm glad we're all in the clan together, <laughs> basically. So the yeah. the Crawfords and the Keens have been together for a long time protecting uh, Manifest Destiny and the white heritage. 
it, it pretty much puts to rest any idea of like, oh, well, maybe Judd wasn't really a clansman. No, like his fucking father was like the, the you know grand wizard of the clan. And that that, well, that picture, they, that painting they, he had. Yeah, like, they, they acknowledge, though, that this was this was not his clan robe. This was his father's. And he may have just kept it as like a, a family, you know, kind of a, you know, like it's mm, it's kind of a cringy. Yeah. Part of the family past, but <laughs> it's, it's still questionable in my mind know. to what to what extent. I feel uh, like you don't keep your dad's like Nazi memorabilia up if you're like a young German, you know, from like eh, a. I don't, it's weird a weird that shit. Yeah, like know, there's people that claim that they're not racist at all, but still have a bunch of Nazi memorabilia because they're just fucking history World War Two buffs. And it's kind of or, like, or eh. just or just Confederate flags. People, a ton of people, just they're, oh, they feel yeah. super comfortable putting Confederate flags on their fucking cars and. Oh, wearing yeah. well, them, they, they like, have the yeah. there's, there's Canadians that have rocked the Confederate flag, oh, and it Jesus like means Christ. something totally different up there. Apparently, like it's some part of their own history that's not oh, racist, wow. I guess. But it's, oh, well, it's... I don't know. <laughs> I, I still wouldn't mess with it. But you know, people yeah, are, no. people are yeah. weird. Yeah. I was actually watching a, a, a like colorized World War II footage series on Netflix, and there's like a million of those. But this one apparently was made by Netflix, so it's a little bit better. And man, they interview some of these people who you just you're just like you really you're really not sure if some of these guys are just they like into World War II history so much that they turn into Nazis or they were Nazis <laughs> first and then became yeah. history buffs. And it's like the only way they can kind of be out about their like fascist tendencies is to be a big history buff about it. And just like the well, way they I'm a world that. war two historian. I mean, that's why I have this Nazi. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. Or just like talking about like battles uh, and, and really praising the, the Germans when they did achieve victory as though it was somehow a, like a, a moral <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a, there's a few people there that are just still, still like, is there, everyone agrees that, you know, Hitler invading Russia was a stupid, stupid idea uh, that cost them the war. But there was even people that said, like, invading uh, France was a huge mistake because the French army was still really powerful and they were going to get their asses kicked there, which, of course, they didn't. Uh, but, yeah, now just just interesting the, the different ways that uh, historians kind of view war and battle uh, back in the day. Yeah, no, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that pretty much covers everything in the episode. Um, obviously, the preview for next week is very, very heavy on on looking less. We're going to get, you know, some clarification on what the hell's going on. I can't, I can't wait to see this. Thing, but. Yeah, the, the where he's clearly going undercover to this... Uh, you know, temporal vortex anxiety support group. When you see like all the pamphlets next to the donuts, that was, <laughs> I just love that insert shot. I don't know if he's going undercover. I think he might genuinely just really be like in this group because he's, you, you think it so? seems to be, yeah. it seems to be all encompassing that his fear of like these, well, these extra dimensional creatures returning. I don't know. The, the, the reason I thought he might be under, going undercover is because, uh, you know, they're all the, all the police are assembled, right? And uh, Lori is sort of, sort of taking over as their chief of police, even though she's there uh, just to help them out. She's still FBI. Uh, and she says, hey, we don't know who they are, but we know where they are. Find this church and you find them, right? And she's pointing yeah. to, the, you know, the, the, the image of them all together in this church. And then it cuts to him going to the support group. So I, I got the impression that he they were... He was Maybe, doing some yeah. some uh, sort of undercover work to try to figure out, you know, find people who might be uh, 7th Cavalry adjacent to look for information. And the, 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 the line in his narration that's sort of carrying throughout all the scenes we see are, 
you know, we're all crawling through a tunnel and every tunnel there's, there's light at the end or something like that. Um, but there's that, there's that real quick two cut scene where we see him running down to his bunker and ripping this red phone off the wall and then smashing it on the floor and stomping on it. I wonder what the hell that was about. Like, <laughs> why would you be smashing your red emergency phone in your own underground bunker like that? Like that? Yeah. I don't there, know. I, I mean, it, curious about that. Well, but so the thing is, like, if he is going undercover at those groups, I wouldn't think there'd be any Seventh Cavalry there because they believe that the attack was a hoax because of Rorschach's uh, journal. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe he's just trying to infiltrate, like, a particular church. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I will see next week, I guess. But uh, very excited either way. I got serious, like, Fight Club vibes from that scene, too. Like, with all the, uh, like, the support groups, like the you oh, know, yeah. testicular cancer yeah. support group. It was very dark in there too. Very similar to like the the, the where the support room uh, groups were lit in uh, Fight Club. Yeah, I think that's yeah definitely intentional. The visual cues. Um. Yeah. And um. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be <laughs> a fucking wild ride, but uh, I'm 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 here for it. So. Yeah, it's going to suck when it's over though. Because like Sunday's becoming my like the the day of the week I look forward to the most because of the show. Uh, and it feels like we've got a lot more show to show, but we're next episode halfway, right? So we're, we're, we're almost halfway through this thing. Well, I mean, hopefully it's good enough that they convince Lindelof to do another season or to hand it off to Ryan Coogler or whatever. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll end in such a satisfying and conclusive way that we'll be like, you know what? Don't touch it. That was perfect. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I hope it doesn't uh, end. And you know, Mandalorian's coming this Tuesday uh, tomorrow, so maybe that'll be fucking oh, awesome. Yeah. We'll have another gonna, another show to look forward to. <laughs> gonna try to review that one uh, if it's worthy of, of doing it every episode as well. Um, and if you like what you've heard here, you can also check out our main political podcasts uh, also on SoundCloud. Uh, yep, called move left idiots. Left. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a bit more more left wing, more lefty um, than this is, but you know, still. Well, I, yeah, I mean, and we bring, obviously bring our our own perspective to every episode that we review, but um, but but our political cast that we do every Thursday is uh, exclusively us covering uh, the the news of the week from a socialist perspective. So uh, this week, I'm sure we'll have. Uh, a lot to talk about in regards to Elizabeth Warren. Uh, that's been a, a big topic of conversation the past couple of weeks. There's You're talking about Bolivia too, as that's Bolivia a, for sure. Uh, a crisis happening the, as the, we speak. CIA backed coup in Bolivia. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of American imperialism, we talked a lot about Vietnam on this episode, but uh, American imperialism is alive and well uh, in 2019 in real world America. So uh, we'll be talking a lot about that uh, and and the kind of responses to the to the coup and and you know other things of that nature. But um, yeah, that's on our main show, uh, Move Left Idiots, and that's uh, at SoundCloud.com slash Move Left. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you know, rate, review, and subscribe over there. That helps us out. Uh, we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Move Left Idiots. Uh, we are on Patreon, Patreon.com slash Move Left merch uh is available at tinyurl.com slash move left merch i am on twitter at move underscore left uh and i'm on twitter at smut collector with an er not an or uh according to our friend jules 
Evo Morales has already left the country, so that's good news. Uh, he's oh, uh, been granted asylum in Mexico. Uh, it sounds like he may have already landed in Mexico. Oh, so that's some, fucking amazing. Great. Good you news. Know. I'm going to research this more, uh, make sure that's actually true, because uh, the Christo-fascists that uh, t- took him out of power Apparently had an arrest warrant out for him as well uh, for what God only knows, but oh, they uh, were they would have killed him too. I mean, they would have fucking Gaddafi'd him in, yeah, in the uh, streets and then blamed it on rebels or something, you know. <clears throat> but yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm glad he got out. Uh, his only crime was, you know, actually giving a fuck about the people and not wanting to let the U.S. Uh, control its lithium deposits. He nationalized their their lithium deposits, and now that. We're trying to make, you know, every car an electric car, you know, which is, you know, in, in, to some degree, a, a noble undertaking. Obviously, you know, we would we would like to see them build more mass transit. But in the meantime, like not building, you know, fossil fuel burning cars is a good uh, thing. But to do that now, he Bolivia is sitting on the world's like second largest deposit of lithium um so you know they have like half the lithium in the, in the world right some, and it's some, not, or it's yes some insane were, amount yeah not like they were hoarding it preventing people from being able to make stuff with it it's just that they were going to be nationalized and not corporatized so that's uh one of the biggest reasons why uh you know if you're a, you're a left-wing government then you're illegitimate somehow um but if you are uh completely authoritarian dictatorship like Saudi Arabia, as long as you do business with American corporations, then there's no problem at all. You know, if you'll probably be okay if you're left wing and like, don't sit on any natural resources, but if you're a left wing government and you sit on any kind of natural resources, you might as well just throw that shit in the ocean because you're just, you're, you're bound to be invaded. Uh, and then, and then, you know, stories to be told about how you're, 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 you don't actually believe in democracy and we're just trying to, free the people from an oppressive fascist regime, you know, that's been, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, we'll talk about that more this week on the main show, uh, move left idiots, uh, and come back next week for more. What's left of the watchman. Just remember, I'll still be around.